Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, June 6, 2023. Today on the Ether, Coinage, the battle for Bitcoin's soul. Let's take a listen. Welcome everybody into another space from Coinage, the only community-owned, award-winning media DAO steered by our NFT holders and backed by the co-founder of Netflix. I'm the host of Coinage, Zach Guzman, coming to you live from Brooklyn Studio in New York City. Excited for our conversation today, I've dubbed... Our community has dubbed the battle for Bitcoin soul, and I don't think that's overstating things. It's so to have on with us today a Bitcoin OG, a builder, a revolutionary, paving the path forward for NFTs on Bitcoin's blockchain, the co-founder of Taproot Wizards, Booty Wordtimer. Wordtimer, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I think there's a lot of questions our community has, but first, just want to start on the idea of what Taproot Wizards is all about and what the project is supposed to be doing. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, I, um, I've been in, um, I've been involved in Bitcoin for like, I don't know, like 10 years. And, um, so is my, uh, co-founder Eric, Eric Wall. And we've, we've, uh, we've, we've come a long way. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, at least culturally changed a lot, I think since then. And it's for us, it was kind of, um, it was kind of this realization even before Ornold really started that we felt like the community online around Bitcoin is possibly kind of chasing people away. <laughs> you know, um, I think like something changed over, t- over the years. I think something changed in the last two, three years. It felt like people are taking, um, at least online, people seem to be taking Bitcoin extremely seriously. Um, which is good, you know, being serious is always good, but um, we kind of missed the old days of experimentation, innovation, just trying new things out, um, which is kind of the way that things used to be with Bitcoin. I, I think that, the, you know, like if, if, you, if you look at Bitcoiners in the past, they would usually be very open to experiment with other coins, for example. Um, that was extremely popular back in 2013, 14, 15. Um, it was clear to almost everyone that Bitcoin is kind of the king of crypto and, and it is probably setting the best chance to one day become money for you know everyone in the world. But it was the other thing that was clear was that in order to kind of grow and advance Bitcoin, we would also have to experiment and, and try new things from time to time. And if we don't do that on Bitcoin itself, because we want Bitcoin to be stable, predictable, and reliable, then we kind of have to do it with other coins, right? <laughs> like either you do it with Bitcoin or you do it somewhere else, but you have to do it if you want to be able you know, to advance Bitcoin over time. 
and that that kind of used to be that used to be the thing that a lot of Bitcoiners early on used to say. Well, you know, we we will let the old coins do their thing. They will do their experiments. Yeah, they will play around with privacy, smart contracts, whatever it is, and the things that work, we will eventually bring back to Bitcoin. And I feel like that second part was missing. <laughs> we didn't do much of that. <laughs> we didn't do much of like seeing what works and bring it back to Bitcoin. And I think that that's the great thing about all nodes and it's, it's kind of starting to do that. I think it's, yeah. So for us, I mean, it's been interesting to watch the reception to this as ordinals uh, came out. And again, if you're deep in the Bitcoin space, maybe none of this is new to you, that experimentation element. But for everyone else mm. who maybe got sucked in in the last bull run and people who only know Bitcoin to be one thing, which is a digital ledger, specifically built for money. Uh, I just want to play for people who are on this space and maybe never heard of Taproot Wizards or Ordinals before. Kind of the, the immediate reaction that's, that's come to you guys. Um, and the one that really blew up on the internet, and I know you've had a back and forth with him before, Greg being one of those people, Greg Foss, who is certainly in the camp of the ideas Bitcoin is digital money. It's been interesting, Udi, and, and you really have brought a lot of attention <laughs> to this project. So for those who hadn't here, let's just play a little bit of what, what Greg said online about Taproot Wizards and Ordinals. You want a grave dance because you're a narcissistic fuck who wants to be thought of as I broke Bitcoin. What a loser fucking narcissist little pussy. That Bitcoin magazine was a fucking farce. Two fucking idiot wizards on stage. This is not a fucking joke, people. Fucking idiots, okay? Our fucking children are at risk. And we got these two fucking clowns on stage. Fuck you, Bitcoin Magazine. And fuck you, Udi. <laughs> so I, I know you've been asked about it before. I know you've talked to him before. But just, you know, hearing the other side about your project, what are the emotions that still come top of mind? It's kind of funny, you know, this was, <laughs> this was a reaction to um, me and Eric were invited to uh, the Bitcoin conference in Miami and we, uh, we had a debate on the main stage um, about whether or not ordinals are good or bad. And the debate was actually really good. Like the, the audience was extremely receptive. Uh, you know, everyone was cheering and chanting and happy. Uh, we happened to address as wizards because Tapo Wizards are an NFT project that's all about wizards. An Ornold Prize, it's all about wizards. So we dressed up as wizards on stage. Uh, we thought it was pretty funny and cool, <laughs> but <laughs> some people, <laughs> some people were apparently really offended uh, by the idea of having people dressed up as, as wizards on stage. I think that you know, that's that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, like we, I yes, Bitcoin is serious. It's a serious thing. I think it has the potential of really uh, changing the world for the better. But part of um, Part of the process of getting there is going to be to onboard a lot of people, a lot of different types of people too. I think some of them are going to be like very serious traditional finance guys, institutional people. Um, and they, you know, they will have their own way, way to onboard. But also I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, maybe younger, maybe care more about um, culture, creativity, art, um, community. I think these types of people will be very happy to have like kind of more, <laughs> just just having fun you know <laughs> just uh, so like I, to me it's like pretty obvious right we need we need all of it we need all of these approaches if we want to reach more people we need to you know we need to reach people in all of those ways 
but it seems like some people are very religious about it. Like you cannot say Bitcoin's name in a context that is not super serious, which to me is laughable, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, but that to me is kind of what's been fascinating to watch now, right? Because again, Bitcoin just being a public ledger could be used for a lot of different things. And I guess we can dig into some of that too. But I guess that's something that we've heard from a bunch of people in crypto widely is that it seems like Bitcoin lost out. It lost its kind of vibe of, you know, being the thing that everyone was paying attention to as you had all these other projects pop up and use cases and NFTs were on Ethereum and they were on everything else. And Bitcoin was stuck there. And so, I mean, I guess as it came to be, what was kind of your thinking around, well, we need this because this is how, this is excitement. This is what people are doing um, versus the cost to put them on Bitcoin. Obviously, it's a little bit different than maybe some other chains. So talk to me about where this whole idea came from and how you thought to put it into implementation. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, the Ordinals protocol is not, you know, it's not my doing. <laughs> um, it was um, it was created originally by a guy called Casey Rodemore. Um, he's actually like a long time Bitcoin developer. He built a lot of like cool protocols and projects. And this is kind of the latest thing he's been working on. Um, and from our point of view, we, we wanted to kind of leverage that to, to create that kind of cultural movement for Bitcoin. And it's actually something that we've been, we've been thinking about how do we leverage the community building aspect of NFTs for Bitcoin that's something we've been thinking about since long before Arnold started. <laughs> we just didn't have the very important technical piece of how to do it. Um, that thankfully Rotomore came up with. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we were working on kind of the wizard uh, artwork probably since last summer. Um, originally the, the wizard meme started in 2013 on, uh, on Reddit. There's a, pretty infamous Bitcoin wizard, which was used as a, an ad basically for the Bitcoin subreddit back then. If you think back to 2013, the, the Bitcoin obviously was not a very strong brand back then. So most people didn't even know it existed. And the few people who did, um, most of them thought of it as like, you know, as a, as a way to conduct criminal activity mostly. Right. <laughs> um, and it did not have a very strong positive brand name. And so the people of the Bitcoin subreddit were trying to come up with a way to basically say, look, um, Bitcoin is not just that. It's also just a way to have fun and experiment online and try this new kind of magic internet currency. And they didn't know how to do that, how to create that brand. So they, they, they built, they, they announced a competition and they said, Hey, help us come up with a, an ad for the subreddit and the winning ad will get, you know, whatever, some Bitcoin probably back then the price was so low. There was multiple BTC for the winner. Yeah. And this guy, this guy called Maven's bot, it's a pseudonym. Uh, we don't know much about him, but he, um, made this ad. It looks like, uh, it looks like a wizard drawn by a child on Microsoft paint. <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> basic, but actually He's apparently like a marketing guy. He knows what he's doing. He built this like with pretty serious tools, <laughs> but he made it to look that way. And it was very, you know, kind of whimsical and just said, this is magical internet money and join us. And it ended up that that little ad ended up being the, the most successful um, Reddit ad at the time, um, which is pretty impressive. I think it doubled 
roughly double the amount of people in the Bitcoin subreddit. So it was considered a big success at the time. Yeah. A lot of people that I talk to today and say that there were got into Bitcoin around 2013, say that this was how they got into Bitcoin. Like it was a big thing for them. So we wanted to use that kind of imagery and kind of modernize it with Tapu Wizards and sort of do the same thing for a modern audience and say, look, I think that a lot of people have this image of Bitcoin as, you know, this kind of very serious thing that people with laser eyes talk about on Twitter <laughs> and, and that maybe they think it's a little bit insane and maybe they don't want to be part of that because of that branding. And we were like, Hey, maybe, maybe we can kind of rebrand it at least for, for a certain audience, you know, yeah, like the I branding, think the laser eye branding is still important, but maybe it doesn't work for everyone. No, I mean, I think that's, what's so interesting to, to watch this all play out. And again, as we played kind of the fervor and, and passion and energy in, in Greg's voice. And he's kind of an example to point to of everyone on the other side of the camp who had bought into the branding of Bitcoin being digital money to see that maybe challenged by people flossing in wizard costumes at Bitcoin Miami <laughs> was maybe not surprising to see this all kind of come to a head. But I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's maybe where it comes from. Were you surprised at all by the reaction after Taproot Wizards launched and, and specifically, I guess, to what you guys were talking about at Bitcoin Miami? What did it feel like? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't exactly surprised. I guess I was positively surprised about all the positive feedback. You know, I wasn't sure um, how people are going to react um, outside of the laser eye camp. Um, the the laser eyes themselves, like people like Greg Foss and others, I've you know we we kind of knew in advance that they're going to be furious about this. <laughs> it was not a surprise. Why do you at think all. that though? Why I, why why did you think they were going to be furious about it? Because I don't I don't know. I mean, I've I've been to Bitcoin Miami before. It's like I almost see anything with energy as good. Yeah, I think that um, there's there's this camp that honestly I think they've been led to believe that they. Uh, kind of own the network in a way. Um, it's funny. The so, but if you if you think about Bitcoiners, Bitcoiners, right? have existed for what thirteen years. Um, many many Bitcoiners in the world. I would say that the vast majority of crypto people are Bitcoiners in the sense that most of them own Bitcoin and they want Bitcoin to succeed and they're bullish on it. Mm -hmm. um, they just happen to also own other digital assets as well. But I would say they're definitely Bitcoiners. If you look back to kind of the OG Bitcoiners. The vast majority of them own other crypto assets because, of course, they do. They, they they wanted to try out and experiment with all of it. It's only in the last like two three years that there's th this kind of online movement really grew, where um, um, which is relatively small compared to just the base of Bitcoin holders, but it's very loud on Twitter, so it seems like it's representative of Bitcoin and. There's this community that just believes that the only right way to use Bitcoin is to not own any other crypto asset, that every other <laughs> crypto asset is necessarily a scam, you know, that that you have to only eat steak and not uh, eat vegetables. They have a lot of like weird beliefs that don't seem to have anything to do with Bitcoin, um, but they got very popular online. So it's actually a very small group. If you go to Bitcoin Miami, again, like we, when we went on stage and had a debate, most of the audience like was very, you know, very happy with the content, you know, they loved the flossing and they loved the debate too. Um, the, the real Bitcoiners are very open to this, but the online community of, of what I call laser eyes, um, 
they hate this, I think, because it's just a political thing, you know, like from their, from their point of view, they've been saying for years that NFTs are scams and they're bad. So now that NFTs are coming to Bitcoin, how are they going to, how are they going to climb off, <laughs> off of think- that tree exactly? So they got to <laughs> say that that's a scam too. Yeah. I think that that's also partially maybe where I was coming from and why I was so excited to have this conversation as someone who came from the traditional media world, CNBC and Yahoo Finance before being an anchor there and digging into what made so many people interested in Bitcoin was Bitcoin money or Bitcoin as money, right? Just digital gold, Mm -hmm. digital whatever. And then leaving to launch a community owned crypto show in coinage steered by our NFT holders. So again, we have a little over, Mm. uh, I guess, 225 people in the space right now. Udi, I don't know if you want to, or Taproots Wizards wants to to retweet this, but I do want to reset and kind of welcome the people who joined us in since we started, because they might be confused what the hell is going on here today. Uh, (laughs) But I'm the host of Coinage, Zach Uzwan, coming to you from our Brooklyn studio today on The Space. We have someone who I've been excited to chat with for a while, the co-founder of Taproot Wizards, one of the most uh, famous, most popular NFT projects built on Bitcoin, and the co-founder, Udi Wertheimer, with us on the space today. And, you know, Udi, it's not just Greg. I guess, you know, you talk about the idea of these laser eyes individuals. And again, we talk about branding in Bitcoin. Uh, We also chatted with Caitlin Long last week. Love Caitlin Long on the show. And she didn't say anything Mm -hmm. negative, by the way. I just want to throw it out there to make sure she doesn't attack us because I love Caitlin Long. She didn't say anything (laughs) negative, but she did say she was behind the stage when you were up there in the wizard costumes. And she was talking Mm -hmm. about being with a presidential candidate. And so when we talk about branding, I just want to play what she said. And then we'll dig into maybe where the reaction of this challenge, the idea of digital money is coming from and why people are talking about taproots and ordinals. Take a listen to, to what Caitlin told us. And when I saw that, you know, I, I, I was standing backstage with one of the presidential candidates and thought, <laughs> oh man, you know, this is what this person is seeing. Um, and I hope it doesn't, doesn't turn him off. Now to me, you know, again, I think I go to Bitcoin Miami. I see people in wizard costumes. I see energy there. I see people having fun. Probably a good thing. I guess if you've staked a bunch of money on it and you're so convinced that Bitcoin can only be one thing. Maybe you see that and you're like, that's not what I know Bitcoin to be. But what I love about the idea of putting a community on a ledger and what we try and do here at Coinage is, you know, the news is not just what you think it is. The branding, the story, the narrative is not just what you think it is, but it's what everybody together thinks it is. And if you guys want to have fun with Taproot Wizards, I guess that can also happen. So how do you look at maybe the branding, at least particularly in today's era, when you got the SEC cracking down on Binance and Coinbase, in terms of branding, of it being a serious thing versus not serious, is there any room for that to enter kind of this discussion? I think, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope that I heard it correctly because there's, there's been some audio issues when you played it back on my end. But I, I, I think that the, the claim was made was that, you know, a presidential candidate might see, <laughs> might see us dance on stage and change his mind <laughs> about Bitcoin. I, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know RFK personally, <laughs> but I doubt that. <laughs> I just doubt that. I think that the, the um and you know it's funny like it's it's a little bit of a, I I love Caitlyn too but it's it's a little bit um it strikes me as a little bit political I think that you know there's been there's been a lot of over the years of Bitcoin Miami there's been a lot of personalities and a lot of uh, big shows on the main stage I don't think ours was particularly uh, crazy <laughs> but but um y- you know like I, I I really think that Bitcoin at the end of the day. 
um, needs to appeal to many types of people. And there's, there's, yeah, there's the more institutional crowd. Um, there's definitely, you know, lobbying going on. There's politicians that probably we would rather have on our side uh, and not against us. Um, I don't think they're going to change their minds because of my bad flossing skills. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> but maybe, you know, uh, like I want to see him floss if he can do it better than let's see, but I doubt it, you know, <laughs> I I think that we also need to uh, think about other audiences, though. Like we, one thing that I'm really concerned about as a very long time Bitcoin holder is that in the last bull run, you know, in 2021, 2022, I feel like we have not done as good of as a job as, as we did in previous bull cycles to onboard new people into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there have been some, but I think there used to be more. So if you look at previous cycles, let's say in 2017, um, back then, anyone who was marginally interested in crypto had to uh, go through Bitcoin first, basically. Like you, you, even to just get into crypto in the first place, you had to on-ramp to Bitcoin first because most exchanges did not have the coins you were maybe looking for. So you would buy Bitcoin for first and then, you know, you, you would put it in your Bitcoin wallet and then you would transfer it to some other third party exchange, maybe go into ETH, maybe convert the ETH later to some ICO or whatever. Mm -hmm. Most of that stuff ended up going to zero as usually happens in those bull cycles. But at least, you know, we, after people lost a lot of money on these ICOs, they had some Bitcoin in their wallet. Yeah. And then for the next, you know, year, two, three, they learn more about Bitcoin and some of them, not all of them, but some of them chose to kind of stay and become Bitcoiners and, and built, you know, a lot of what we're seeing in the crypto ecosystem and Bitcoin today. Um, this time around, it did not really happen as much. Like this time around, when people wanted to get into DeFi or NFTs, which were like the two big buzzwords of the last bull cycle, they just bought ETH on Coinbase, sent it to their MetaMask, which doesn't even support Bitcoin. Like you can't even use MetaMask for Bitcoin if you wanted to. Um, and participated in whatever NFTs and DeFi stuff they wanted to. Most of them probably lost a bunch of money. Probably a lot of these investments did not really survive the, the end of the bull market, but at least they finished the, you know, they, they reached the end of the bull market with some ETH in their MetaMask. And they would now probably consider themselves Ethereum people. And if they're, you know, if they're developers and builders, they're probably going to try to learn about building for Ethereum. If they're creators, uh, they're probably going to learn about, you know, producing content for Ethereum stuff. Um, we would have, you know, gained a lot by having these people on the Bitcoin side, but we don't have them on the Bitcoin side. And, and we probably are never going to, you know, or, you know, not anytime soon. It's a very um, good point. I think that's I think that's incredibly important and something that shouldn't be overlooked either, because, you know, again, when I quit and tried to think about, all right, if you could put a show on a blockchain, what would that look like? If, if your viewers could be converted into co-owners and be paid you know, patronage dividends as the show scales, what would that look like? And, you know, it's a difficult decision to figure out where to put your NFTs, which chain they want to live on. Could have been on Terra, RIP, if that would have been the case. Uh, and it could have been in a lot of spots. And so, you know, when you're, when you're weighing all this, you're weighing costs, you're weighing transaction fees. And to your point, you're weighing adoption and where the people actually are and where the interest is. And so we landed on Ethereum and this was all pre-ordinals. So, I mean, I think I, I hear you and definitely would agree. Uh, the other flip side counterpoint would be, I guess, cost and the idea of, all right, if you're also trying to onboard people into the idea that Bitcoin can be a decentralized money, does it become more cost prohibitive for those people? And I know Lightning's out there. 
I know. And I know there's other ways, but like you said, <laughs> it's difficult for on-ramping people. So this is the other point from Caitlin Long we heard. I uh, just want to play what she said about block space and then dig into that on the other side. But here's uh, Caitlin on block yeah. space. Look, markets work. And block space is expensive. And if someone needs the security of Bitcoin, they're going to pay for block space. And if they don't need the security of Bitcoin, they will migrate away to less secure blockchains and where the fees are not so high. Markets work. And that's, that's my response to this whole debate. And so I think it's a pretty fair point. You know, we were on Ethereum because, again, you know, we want to be around for a little bit, hopefully a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, things could be built on Bitcoin, too. But what do you think about the block space debate, costs, fees, etc.? Yeah, it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's a free market. Um, people will pay how much they think is fair. And if um, if inscribing on Bitcoin and using orals on Bitcoin will become more expensive than it's worth, then people will stop doing it. And, and there's no need to talk about it. <laughs> you know, there's, no, there's no need to be concerned <laughs> as, as a Bitcoiner um, about this kind of stuff. I, I think that... Um, to me, there's one thing that makes a lot of sense for paying um, for paying for the block space when it comes to inscriptions, which is which is kind of the big difference that inscriptions have from NFTs on Ethereum. That the art is it lives forever on the Bitcoin chain; it will always be available there, as opposed to most Ethereum, most Ethereum NFTs, where the data is either on some web server or using some external service like um, IPFS. Uh, which has like different, you know, availability guarantees. Uh, when you put it on Bitcoin, it is it is definitely more expensive than using a web server or Ethereum, but it it gives you this guarantee that the image will always be available. Um, it's actually interesting if you if you look back and do just an anal analysis of all Ethereum NFTs. I think that uh, someone did that recently. I think over thirty percent are kind of broken in the sense that the images are no longer available. Uh, in their original location. Uh, of course, those are mostly uh, very unpopular NFTs. Um, most people are not looking at, but um, I think that if someone is um, making an ordinal or inscription that is supposed to be very valuable, that, that they expect people would be willing to pay a lot for, then it makes sense to pay you know, the cost for the block space. If it is supposed to be something very, you know, uh, temporary, uh, ephemeral, uh, maybe low value, then probably it doesn't make sense to put it on Bitcoin because it's going to be too expensive. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think we'll see all NFTs end up on Bitcoin, not at all. I think Ethereum is going to be still very relevant and other chains too um, for most of the NFT activity, actually. But I think that the kind of luxury high end of the market is very likely to end up on Bitcoin just because it gives those better, stronger guarantees. But it is expensive. So if you if you want it, it you will have to pay a lot for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I respect that. And I respect the idea of, you know, pricing NFTs is a totally different ball game as well. Right. In terms of, you know, it could have been free when we started out. We had free NFTs just to kind of get our first thing off the ground uh, in mm -hmm. the Terra and Doquan exclusive that really put coinage on the map. And then after that, it was essentially, you know, the idea of people who minted there. Uh, supported us, showed us that we had an audience, and now they're not free anymore. But if you minted them, great, congratulations. Now you can mint our our discounted ownership tier to where we can actually build this with you. And so I do think it's it's a good point to make that each NFT project and each builder out there has this own decision to make, which to me 
And the spirit of Bitcoin was always fascinating to see people come out there and try and shut this idea down, that ordinals shouldn't exist, mm. that there shouldn't even be that optionality, because it just seems, I don't know, anti-Bitcoin in that sense, um, rather than at least having the option. And I do, it does sound like introducing or reintroducing that creativity was basically the founding thesis of what Taproot Wizards is trying to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think ex- creativity and, and experimentation, right? I think our point of view is that we don't know what's going to succeed. Um, we don't know if this is the best way to onboard people into Bitcoin or not, um, but we intend to find out. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the, the, the people who seems to have, seem to have already made up their mind and they're like, oh no, this is bad because block space is expensive or this is bad because they're dancing on stage and that's bad. Or this is bad because people want money. They don't want NFTs. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you reach those conclusions without trying. Um, we, we intend to try and let's see what happens. And it's, it's possible that the laser eyes are right about all of this. Who knows? But I, I, I think that there, it's very difficult for anyone to know the answer before we're going out there and, 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 and trying, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the one thing that I think is missing from Bitcoin in the last, you know, three to four years is just the spirit of experimentation and just saying, look, we do not have the answers. We need to go out there and see what happens when we do those things. I, I mean, you sound like me all the time, too, because I'm always saying, look, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I do think that there are important reasons as to why media should be controlled by its viewers. And you should have a DAO media cooperative that is able to put on a show like ours that is steered by our NFT holders where the community decides what the real story is. And that's how we landed on you. But I also want to play a little bit from what we heard from uh, Sonny in the Cosmos ecosystem, the co-founder of Osmosis, talking about the creativity that you've restored to Bitcoin and whether or not you'd agree about maybe, uh, I guess, the idea that it's already working. And that's how I want to kind of dig into this beyond it is, is how you're judging whether or not it's starting to work that you're seeing some people start to embrace this. But here's what Sonny told us when we asked him about Taproot Wizards and Ordinals last week and bringing some of that magic back. Bitcoin core devs are a little bit, uh, you know, way too not open to new ideas. And like all the people who are really interested in like innovating kind of eventually left Bitcoin core dev and have shifted away. But Ordinals, I think, really came and changed, like, changed everything. So, like, it's actually a, it's an old friend of mine who um, was the one who built Ordinals. And, like, it was this, like, even if Ordinals itself is, like, you know, whatever, like, it, it's, not, it's not the game What was important, what it did was it showed that, oh, Bitcoiners can get excited about stuff. And that's important. <laughs> And I think that's the thing that you're saying right now, Udi, is like, you know, we've heard for years, Bitcoin's digital money, it's taking over. That's what it's going to be. That's where institutional investors came in. And let's give credit to that, maybe. I don't know if there's a point in you that says like, yeah, we need to give credit to that because as exciting as art moving onto the blockchain is, so is making money, I guess. And seeing it surge up there in 60 grand, uh, obviously made a lot of people money. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a war. We call this a battle for Bitcoin's soul. I don't know if that's just to get people to come into the space or whether or not you'd agree. Can it be both? Can it be both fun and also the old way as well? Oh, I think it has to be both. Um, I, I would have been very saddened if we turned the Bitcoin into just a repository for JPEGs and it would no longer be uh, striving to be, you know, digital money for the rest of the world. Uh, I think that the digital money goal is extremely important and probably is the most important goal of Bitcoin. However, 
um, in order for it to be digital money, we need to have, you know, people using it as money. And one of the, one of the ways that we've seen people use ETH as money is to buy, create and trade NFTs. That, that has been one of the major use cases of ETH itself as an asset as, you know, a medium of exchange. Um, a lot of people think about how NFTs were used within Ethereum as a platform, NFTs, you know, taking advantage of smart contracts and so on. But it also had a very important part of kind of monetizing ETH, the asset ETH. Um, because if you go to, you know, OpenSea and you talk to NFT traders and just NFT communities, you'll find that they're kind of based on ETH entirely. Like they manage, you know, their treasuries in ETH. They, they pay, you know, their employees or contractors with ETH. They, they, um, they calculate their profits or losses based in ETH. Um, they consider ETH to be their currency, those NFT communities. And yeah, that's true for us. Like, that's true for coinage. So yeah. I, I can't, I'd like to push yeah. back here, but I can't really because everything you're saying is exactly true for us as a media DAO. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you, you see that with so many kind of organizations that live, live on the Ethereum space. They're not just using Ethereum as a technology. They're also using ETH as money. And that's the way that we would want people to use Bitcoin. Um, the, there's, there's this sort of like very judgmental uh, attitude within the laser eye cult. And again, I got to tell you, like the laser eye people, they're a minority of Bitcoiners. They're really a small minority, but they look like <laughs> they look like they're represented the, the, the Bitcoin movement because they're the loudest and there's this judgmental um, um, attitude where people say, well, if, if you're going to use Bitcoin for things like NFTs, then it's better that you don't use Bitcoin, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and I just, I just find it hilarious because, you know, like obviously Bitcoiners have been uh, almost proud of the fact that Bitcoin has been used on Silk Road, right? For illegal sales of, of drugs uh, all those years ago. Um, a lot of Bitcoiners were cheering for, um, you know, Russia when they, when they said they might use Bitcoin as a way to go to bypass sanctions, for example, um, where uh, Bitcoiners are known to be, you know, kind of very open about the way that people are using Bitcoin. As long as Bitcoin is, is, you know, being used, then usually they're happy. But it seems like with this particular use case of NFTs, <laughs> they consider it to be worse than, uh, you know, North Korea funding <laughs> nuclear warheads. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really bad that people use Bitcoin for JPEGs. I think, I think that we should strive, as Bitcoiners, we should strive to have Bitcoin as an asset used by as many kind of digital communities as possible. And if digital communities end up using BTC as their asset of choice to trade uh, ordinals and inscriptions, that's a major win. We need that. Like we, we genuinely need that. And that, that would bring, you know, it's especially it's a win because if that use case ends up being big, then that means that Bitcoin wallets get better. Bitcoin infrastructure gets, gets better because there's this use case that's driving uh, the need for advancement in, in just the general Bitcoin ecosystem. And then even if you think that NFTs are, you know, a lot of people think that NFTs are not going to be here for the long term. Yeah. I disagree, but, but maybe they're right. I think even if they are right, it would still end up being good for Bitcoin long term because it, it will give it the, the ecosystem this push that it needs to, to increase the pace of development 
And that's going to be useful for whatever Bitcoin does next. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I would want to encourage anybody too. by the way, if you want to come up here and, and request the mic, feel free with the, with the space we have left here, uh, pop up and ask Udi a question or myself a question as well. Um, but no, I think you're absolutely right on the idea of that being something. And I've learned something already around why this push might matter for that. You keep saying the laser eye crowd. And I do wonder if, you know, the reason why so many of those people, I think, started to get followers and capture the attention was because they were, I, I think, instructive in the last cycle. And I'm thinking of people like Pomp and the like, and where Bitcoin may have lost its way when it shifted away from, you know, the idea of Bitcoin being uh, a good for digital money into sign up for uh, discounts at BlockFi and Celsius um, in the arena of digital money and where Bitcoiners who, who had those laser eyes maybe went askew. Uh, what the idea is of where this goes from here, now that you're trumpeting this new case for Bitcoin in ordinals, um, what that looks like, what the future of this looks like, and what you've already seen from other NFT communities, because there are plenty who have now bridged over to put their projects into uh, being a Bitcoin NFT. Yeah, so I think, you know, what happened probably with the laser eye stuff is, and a, and a lot of them are actually very smart, um, very well-intentioned people. I think that kind of what happened is because there was no innovation in the Bitcoin space, then the only voices that could kind of rise and become popular were voices who were talking about completely unrelated things like, <laughs> you know, the macro environment and things like dietary preferences for Bitcoiners and <laughs> relationship advice for Bitcoiners. A lot of this stuff that has nothing to do with Bitcoin whatsoever uh, kind of rose to the top because simply there was nothing else to talk about. And I think that a big part of why you see a lot of pushback from that kind of community is that I think they're starting to realize that if Bitcoin starts to innovate again, then they're going to be left in the sidelines because they, <laughs> it's just, it's just not get as many, going to get as many clicks to talk about Bitcoin relationship advice anymore. Right. So I think that's where some of it is coming from. And, and yeah, you're right. There's, there's been a ton of uh, NFT collections that have been kind of drawn uh, to Ornos lately. What, what we say, you know, internally in the Tapu Wizards team, and we truly believe that that's what we keep telling each other. I think that if someone is starting a new NFT collection today, they actually need to have a very, very clear reason for why not to issue an Ornals at this point. Like it, it almost to me seems like the obvious choice um, because on Ethereum, you know, you've got all of the issues with, uh, you know, the blur and marketplace wars at this point. Um, if you, if you, you probably, if you go and issue on Ethereum, there's going to be this expectation of you to do, you know, staking stuff and lock up periods and a lot of like crazy semi Ponzi <laughs> things. What percentage, that are by of, the way, you think, I mean, that's been, I, I, listen, I, again, I've covered this as a journalist, as a reporter. Again, we went out to Singapore, we interviewed Doe, we've highlighted the Terra thing mm -hmm. that was originally, again, a lot of people called that a Ponzi. And, you know, one mm -hmm. of the things that has driven me absolutely insane, Udi, is the idea of how much truly is shenanigans. And as we've built this, keep in mind, you know, we only we only allow one person to mint an NFT because we're playing a slow and steady race here at Coinage mm -hmm. to own this. And we don't want one person to swoop in and own everything here so they can say, look, now we own this media DAO and we can tell you what to do. We're being very careful with this. But I do wonder if you're like, what is your estimation of how much shenanigans is really played in bots just trading this stuff back and forth? Because you're right, the blur airdrop would incentivize you 
to just swap back and forth all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I'm, I, I think it's clear that during the airdrop, I think it was pretty clear that most of the volume was probably kind of generated for that. Um, and it, it's, look, it, it's it's fine. Those things come and go and they happen. And, and to be clear, they could eventually happen in the Ordinal's ecosystem too. Um, I just think right now they're not. So if you were, if you're in a position that you are today asking yourself, should I start an Ordinal's or an Ethereum? It seems like there's a lot of benefits to ordinals right now, and on Ethereum, it's less clear. I, I, I do do expect that the balance will change over time, but that's that's where it's at right now. Um, but but yeah, you know, like it's interesting that with with inscriptions, there's something very pure about the way that the issuer does no does not control any of it after it's issued, right? Like after you distribute. Um, inscriptions to users, you cannot change the metadata. You cannot change the image itself. You cannot change the rules that govern it. You can't change anything. Like it's just, it's just an asset that they hold their controls fully. Um, and on Ethereum, there's a lot more creativity there. And the, the creativity is sometimes good. I'm not saying that it's always bad. It's sometimes good. Sometimes people come up with like really cool ideas. And, but also you definitely see a lot of, um, a lot of things are really, in my view, just tokens with JPEGs. Like it's it's the same the same kind of mechanisms that we saw in whenever in dick bike farming or whatever. They just put JPEGs on top of it <laughs> to to say now it's an NFT. Um, and that's the, I guess my point is the the line is much less clear on the Ethereum side, um, it, where where in Ordinals it's just technically it doesn't let you do much more than, than just issuing you know, some artwork and selling it to people. So you end up with people who that's what they want to do. They want to collect artwork that is on chain and there's, there's just not more to it. So you know that the people who are doing it, that's what they want. <laughs> They're probably not trying to do other things because yeah. those other things are not there. No, I think it's a good point. And I think that's a good hill. I, I die on that hill too, in terms of giving people the optionality. If you want to do this, here's this over here on Ornals. If yeah. you want to do something else, you can go over there. I do think, you know, again, to return to the anger, the passion, the, uh, the stuff that we've <laughs> seen from everybody before, the idea of this happening now, right? So again, this could be completely mm. off base, but you do have the SEC coming out and suing Binance and Coinbase in less than a 24-hour period. You've essentially got this yeah. narrative taking over that crypto is pure shenanigans, that it is just a mm. bunch of wash trading and crime. Like you were saying, back then, when kind of Bitcoin came out of that narrative of, oh, everyone thought crypto was just for criminals and it was all Silk Road, it quickly didn't became not that. And now when you've got the SEC going as most balls to the wall, I think is fair to say that we've ever seen Gary Gensler going. If that changes yeah. any of the idea of being careful with the narrative now. Um, and again, I know my issue on this. I know where I fall on this, but where does Udi fall on this? Yeah, look, I, I think that Ordinals are really very young right now. And I think it's kind of on us as the early participants to to try to keep it clean as much as we can. Um, so far, my impression has been that the community has been pretty good at this. Uh, of course, it's very early and, and I'm, I'm sure that we're going to be going to see a bunch of like very big, you know, kind of semi-scams or full-on Ponzi schemes happen on the Arnold side as well. It, <laughs> it's inevitable. Day, I mean, it is crypto. Look, it's going to attract yeah. everyone and everyone's free to do what they yeah. want. And if you want to be a criminal, you can be a criminal, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those things will happen. I'm, I'm kind of optimistic that the, 
that the ordinals community will be able to discern between what's what's real and what's not but we will we will see <laughs> you know we will see i i don't think that the that the main risk that we have is that because look you know the, what's the worst what's the worst thing that's going to happen the worst thing that's going to happen is yeah everyone shows up with their ponzi's and their scams and and then, you know, Gary Gensler says, hey, you know what? These these, uh, these scams are actually securities too. And it's like, okay, fine. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt Bitcoin itself in any way. Bitcoin is not a security. It's not going to be considered a security. I mean, even Gary Gensler himself said that multiple times, you know? So like Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself is an asset is safe from being considered a security, I would say at this point. Um, so what, what, what is the thing that we stand to lose? It, 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 the worst thing that could happen is that we tried this ordinal stuff and it's not going to work out. <laughs> and then we're back to where we were before. I'm, ah, but I'm you, but you that. overlook the worst case scenario, which is people see you flossing at Bitcoin Miami and they think oh, that yeah. every, <laughs> I'm well, kidding. If, if people, if people saw the video, then they, they must know that it doesn't even pass as flossing. Like whatever I did there. Yeah. Whatever that was, it was <laughs> something close or something akin, but, uh, but no, I mean, it was, it was, flossing it was not. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things and I can say flossing it was not. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, out of everything, I, my question before was how do you see this changing the game? You, you've mentioned kind of bringing some people over from other communities, but as far as like, I guess, measuring it, right? Measuring the success that Taproot mm. Wizards has been able to have thus far and kind of accelerating some of the shift. I think everything you've said to me is eye-opening to listen to you kind of say, look, Bitcoin's lost out on a lot of the wave that's helped other chains and where they've come from. And it's also boasted the fact, like you said, it's got security and it's got all these other things to use as an advantage over these other chains. I mean, what do you think about where things go, but also specifically, I guess, the way that you've judged success thus far? Yeah, I um I think that Bitcoin needs to <laughs> Bitcoin needs to onboard a lot of people. Uh I think the 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 easiest way to say that it didn't you know, succeed as much in the last cycle was just because most of the newcomers did not even try to get Bitcoin. Uh, what what success to me would be that in the next bull cycle, um, you know, ninety five percent of the people who enter the crypto ecosystem also get some Bitcoin. Um, I think that is you know, at the end of the day, it's it's this very obvious slow hanging fruit where it it's just would be a huge shame if if all of those people that are exposed to crypto that do believe in the future success of this industry end up not having any exposures to bitcoin i think that's um a very bad state of uh, things yeah and and that's where we're going if we're not going to do anything so, let me push that further though because one of sunny's again sunny the cosmos builder uh, a lot of people know him. A lot of people respect him. Again, he has a lot of respect for you. But one of his biggest and bold claims was that the Bitcoin, like we wouldn't see the flippening in 2023, that Ethereum's market cap would not surpass Bitcoin's market cap. That was his bold claim. And to me, I was always like, oh, I don't know how bold that is. But I, I wonder what your thoughts are. If ordinals didn't come around, was it an inevitability that Ethereum would flip Bitcoin? And now what do you think? I think maybe not in 2023, but uh, in general, yeah, I, I I think that that is something that is very possible. If you if you if eventually, if you ask me um, about ETH as an asset, I would say that ETH is inferior to Bitcoin in many ways. Um, ETH versus BTC. Um, I think that 
I think Bitcoin has better properties to become eventually like global money. However, uh, it's not enough to just have what I consider to be better engineering or, you know, um, um, better monetary properties. It's not enough. You also need to have a good go-to-market strategy. And that's something that we didn't have. I feel like in the last two or three years, that's something that I feel like Ethereum has been beating Bitcoin uh, pretty heavily in the in the last you know few years. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to experiment in order to be able to regain that advantage. And I think it's possible, but we can't just keep doing what we we have been doing, which we know doesn't work, <laughs> and hope that that that's going to fix the issue. I think there is a risk that Bitcoin does lose a, lose its dominance, um, even though I think it's superior, um, you know, fundamentally. Hmm, interesting. So when you say there is a risk, are you going to say, because we always wrap these bad boys up with bold claims, big, bold claims, what's your big prediction? Because it sounds like there is a possibility that you see the flipping happening at some point. But when you look at the ecosystem, I mean, what's your what's your prediction? If you asked me before, Nils, I would have been more concerned about it. I think that now there's um, more more reasons to believe that experimentation will kick back up on the Bitcoin side and that we will find those ways that are necessary to, to attract people into the ecosystem um, it, it, it faster than ETH does. And I think that it's, it's funny, like, again, like a lot of the kind of Ornals haters, they're like, <laughs> what they would say is, well, why do you think that Ornals are the way to onboard more people? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. It might, it very well might not be. <laughs> um, but what I do know is that we have to experiment with things uh, because I know that what we have been doing has not been working enough. So like, yeah, we, we'll try the NFT stuff and the oral stuff. And maybe that's not it. And maybe after that, we'll need to try something else. But I, I know for sure that we got to try other things because this did not work. I think that that's a pretty important piece to point out too, because, you know, uh, coming from my positioning, right. And, and what we've seen with media, particularly what we've seen with journalism over the last few years since social media came up and the idea of, you know, getting uh, extremes on both sides, the idea of losing discourse, particularly in the U S I'm talking from my perspective, that was something where it's like, all right, we know that the old model's not working. What can we do maybe potentially to change it? and reinvent a model for media. So that's kind of where I came from. But I have a ton of respect for any builder, no matter what chain it's on, let me just say that, or any builder who's trying to experiment in the way that you have been. So I just wanted to shout you out particularly, and and thank you again for coming on with us to to kind of highlight where your thinking has been and why you even built this project and what you've expected and hoped to do. Um, I don't know if anyone listening has has learned anything from, you know, what me either what you said or what I said, but I know I learned a lot. Um, and, you know, there are a few requests on here, but I, I want to be respectful of your time because I know we only booked about an hour, I think, on your schedule. So I don't know if you have time to stick around or not, but um, I see a couple requests. I could here, do like another five minutes. All right. Yeah, let's bring some people up then. Let's let's go ahead and figure this out. And I don't know if there's <laughs> anybody else you wanted to bring up for five minutes if you got and just see here. You know, you're always shooting blind when you just throw people up here, Udi, so you never know what yeah, you're going to get. <laughs> it's a dream that we would eventually get into like a token-gated situation where we can figure out who in our community, and of course, I guess that's why PFPs are all about it. Um, let's see what we got here, though. We got Derm coming up here on the space. I noted Forbes over 100, so there you go. Um, so we'll start adding some of these people here and just see what the hell goes on. But, but Udi, what's next for you, man? 
I mean, uh, the next thing to keep in mind is that Bitcoin Miami is really what, what settled, I think, a lot of the excitement and enthusiasm around Taproot Wizards. I don't know if you're planning on flossing ever again. <laughs> hopefully not. No, hopefully. <laughs> All right. For, you know, for next year, uh, we'll need to do something bigger. It's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be just flossing on stage. We, you, you can't, you can't piss people off by doing the same thing twice. You have to like come up with new original ways to trigger people. And I'm sure we will, but I think more importantly, um, the thing that gets me most riled up about this entire movement is that I feel like it's an opportunity to build, um, to build on Bitcoin again and not just build like one thing that we get to build is NFT communities. And that's awesome. But I think there's a lot more that can be built. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that we've seen happening in other ecosystems that I think people are realizing now that some of it may, may have place on Bitcoin. Like maybe we have, you know, better privacy solutions. Um, Maybe we have um, solutions for permissionless trading. Um, those are the kind of things that I'm looking forward to in the next you know, year or so. Yeah, we got Crypto Gringo up here. Say <laughs> so Crypto Gringo. Uh, if you want to unmute, hit us with a question. Go for it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, you can see by my name, it's Crypto Gringo, but then it's also Double Bitcoin whammy. Gringo. Um, yeah, I've, I've been using Bitcoin for the past 10 years. But I, I started to like think of the possibilities with crypto, which is why it kind of led me away from Bitcoin. I felt like there was a lot of gatekeeping going on and lack of um, like this idea of just experimentation. And now I'm seeing altcoins inside Bitcoin and it's really just throwing me for a loop. I don't know. I can't even wrap my brain around it right now, but it's like these fractal economies inside Bitcoin, which is blowing my mind i don't know if anybody else has even kind of figured out a good way to describe it but if you have please <laughs> yeah Udi, you'd me. probably be better to answer that one than me because i equally have been kind of blown away by what's been going on and what that even means if you've got you know the idea of an erc20 now on bitcoin what that could start to unlock by all means you take the answer there yeah, it's very early days. Um, I think people are figuring out what um, what BRC twenties are, you know, are and what they're good for. BRC twenty is the name of a of a protocol for issuing tokens on Bitcoin. It's very new, um, and it's interesting. I think I think I think the most interesting part about it is the cultural movement because there have been other like technical ways to issue other tokens on Bitcoin for many years. There's actually been like at least like five, six competing protocols for doing that over the years, uh, including in the present. And BRC20, I think, is the only one that kind of really hit the ground running, like, probably because of its kind of relation to the Ordinals protocol. It, it is based on the Ordinals protocol. And I think that just the community that has been involved with Ordinals from early on is just extremely interested in experimenting and trying things out. So as BRC20s came out, they're like, yeah, we have to try this out. <laughs> we don't know what it is. We don't know how it works. We have no idea what it's for, but let's play around with it. And that's, so like, it's too early to answer, like, what is it going to look like? What part of it is going to be adopted? Uh, what is in? But I think that right now what people are enjoying the most is just the opportunity to kind of play around with it and try it out. Um, to me, that's extremely bullish because I'm comparing it to the other protocols that have been trying to do the same thing on top of Bitcoin and had 
no adoption whatsoever. And suddenly this one pops up. Uh, it's actually technically inferior. I would say like there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, inefficiencies technically with it, but that doesn't matter. What matters is that it managed to hit like a very good adoption rate. And I'm like, I'm extremely bullish just because of that. Like, I don't know where it goes. I have no idea, but I, I, I think the fact that there's this fairly large group now that is committed to experimenting with Bitcoin is I think a very bullish thing. Yeah. And I think it's fitting to, to have that question come from a man who self-admittedly was a Bitcoin gringo and then converted into a crypto gringo. So you saw that happening in real time. Uh, we got Indigo up here too. Last question probably in, in the amount of time we have on this space, but Indigo, if you wanted to unmute and hit uh, Udi with another question, by all means. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Uh, Udi, you know, Ornals on Litecoin has been uh, active since February 19th. And I believe the first four megabyte inscription is still up for grabs. Any thoughts on doing that? Yeah, that's, um, I, I don't know much about Ornals or Litecoin, but that's, not, that's, that's a very interesting point. I think that a lot of, um, a lot of what people have been doing on Bitcoin lately could probably be replicated uh, to other like Bitcoin related coins, like Litecoin, maybe Dogecoin one day. Um, I could definitely see that happening. For those who don't know, the four megabyte, <laughs> the four megabyte references, uh, because the, the first Apple wizard that we made like uh, four months ago at this point was was uh, the first four megabyte transaction on Bitcoin ever. So it was a was a pretty big feat technically <laughs> because uh, it's actually kind of difficult to pull off. But um, we just took the uh, the first Apple wizard, we blow, blew it up to four megabyte size and posted it uh, as a full block on Bitcoin. And a lot of that's, that's kind of the way we originally made the splash was using that because people find immediately saw like a, a block that, that only has one transaction in it and sued and didn't <laughs> understand what was going on. It never happened before. So everyone was looking into understanding what it is. And that, that was kind of how we made the first splash. It could be cool for someone to try to replicate that on Litecoin too. Yeah, I think that is pretty fascinating. The idea of, you know, a full block and everyone paying attention to it because it's all there to see. And what was it? It was a, a wizard. It was a wizard on Bitcoin. And that's yeah. uh, it's a perfect full circle <laughs> moment, I think, for us here in this space. But Udi, thank you so much for coming on, man. Honestly, I appreciate it. And, you know, like I said, we've had a lot of people mint John Wu from the Avalanche uh, world. Uh, as well as other builders in the space. We can chat about it offline, but the idea here is, you know, a community-owned show covering everything in crypto. And, you know, it took a while, I think, for people to pay attention to NFTs on Bitcoin, but can't put it away now. It's out of the box. And so congrats yeah. on everything you've been able to build, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really cool. Uh, there's definitely room for a lot of experimentation in the media front, too. So thank you for having me and uh, giving me the, the chance to speak here. Thanks. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, congrats again. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We host these every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, a new episode on YouTube. And you can also learn more about co-owning our projects at coinage.me. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Coinage, the battle for Bitcoin soul, recorded on Tuesday, June 6th, 2023. For terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Keep listening. Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. There's this principle in like Darwin.
there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds slap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, Yambedo and Bruce. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? All the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit corn Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, really worth this war of attrition? It might cost cost us a lot lot more than than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.